Hi, I'm Craig Williams, and this is Beyond the Tassel. This week, I'd like to do something a little different than usual. I'd like you to meet two students with rural roots, but with very different personal stories. Jacqueline Garcia is a senior at Effingham High School in Effingham, Illinois, a county with a population of just over 34,000. Jacqueline is the first-generation daughter of Mexican immigrants, and she has an acceptance letter from the University of Notre Dame. We'll hear from her and learn more about her journey. We'll also speak with a third-year student at the University of Chicago and discuss his rather unusual route for getting there from a rural coal mining town in deep southern Illinois through a top suburban prep school in metropolitan St. Louis, Missouri. Now, both students are on fascinating journeys, and both have done much to prepare for them. But let's get it started and take a closer look. I'm talking with Jacqueline Garcia. She is among a growing number of students from rural communities who've done an outstanding job leveraging her local resources and really setting the stage for a strong post-secondary trajectory. There are some real distinctions in terms of resources that are available to most of these students. I'm really interested in sort of probing that issue and speaking with students themselves who have had an awareness of the kinds of resources that they've had to either I don't want to say manufacture from whole cloth, but you kind of have to get resourceful, right? And your story really caught my attention because I view what you've done as quite resourceful. And when we first chatted by phone, you asked me, had I heard of QuestBridge? And I had to do a double take because hardly anybody knows about QuestBridge that I speak with. And here you are asking me if I know about it, which was great. Um, so I, I kind of would like to get into your psyche a little bit as far as, mm -hmm. you know, how it's worked for you and kind of share with me a little bit about how you've leveraged the resources of a local rural community and, and, and what have you done to sort of set yourself apart? I mean, you were accepted at Notre Dame and maybe some other schools by now, I don't know, but I'm anxious to hear. So I'm going to turn it over to you and just kind of lay it out for me. Okay. Well, I kind of want to talk a little about Questbridge kind of in itself because no one in my community really knows what QuestBridge is. So, Jacqueline, some context for our listeners. Um, QuestBridge is a California-based organization conceived in 1987 by a pair of then Stanford undergrads. Now, these fellows later went on to attend medical school, but at the time, um, you know, they looked around some of the most impoverished communities in the Bay Area which, of course, again, we're talking more than 30 years ago. This is not the Bay Area of today. There was plenty of poverty back then. And they saw just a lot of raw academic potential in lower-income high school students from some of these economically challenged communities. I, I had never heard of it. So I asked my chemistry teacher and my French teacher for letters of recommendation because those were kind of the subjects that I wanted to go into, kind of yeah. majoring and minoring. And my chemistry teacher obviously was the one that recommended me, but my French teacher, she didn't really know what QuestBridge was either. So it's just kind of something that's not really well known. QuestBridge has matched thousands of low-income students with full scholarships to Yale and Stanford, uh, University of Chicago, Columbia, Duke, Princeton. Uh, I mean, it's like a who's who of America's most selective colleges, MIT, uh, and of course, Notre Dame, among dozens more of the nation's tippy-top colleges and universities. I, I learned about it in sophomore year, and 
I, I don't know, my, my chemistry teacher just kind of pulled us out of class and I was still too young at this point. Um, there wasn't much that I could do, but she just thought that it would be a good opportunity for me kind of to prepare. And I, I didn't realize that it was such a big deal. I didn't realize the extent of the whole college match. I thought it was just like a scholarship and it, it just really, I don't know, it caught my eye. So. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the fact is there is an abundance of talent across America in rural areas, as well as uh, in the more urban low income areas. I mean, annually there are, something like 30,000 low-income kids that are academically qualified to attend the nation's best schools. But the majority of them don't even apply, not even to one selective college. And I, I, mean, I don't know, I'm really grateful for the fact that she kind of reached out to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't know much about how it's going to affect my financial aid because I haven't heard back from the financial aid aspect of most of these schools, but yeah, you'll get, you'll get, yeah, you'll get all the money. You, you'll get all the money you need. I know. I mean, all the kids that like, I've seen like a lot of kids that have gone to like, not necessarily matched, but definitely have gone to a quest for school and they've been super happy with, you know, how much they pay and stuff. Yeah. But I know you've probably looked at other schools that are maybe a little less selective. Um, you know, how did you work through that process and what in the world made you want to go to such a, a, a grueling place like Notre Dame, or I think you even mentioned Chicago at one point, where as you may know, fun goes to die, right? I guess. That's what they say. <laughs> find out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just really like to, I'm not saying that obviously like these schools, like, cause I applied to Eastern and I applied to SIUE and I think they're great schools, but I just think that I, I just want to be challenged really. And I just think that these schools are going to be like a great place for me to be challenged. Well, the other thing that really stands out to me is, you know, you mentioned, you kind of mentioned your brothers, not really in passing, but you kind of just sort of dashed over them. And mm -hmm. somehow or another, I was having a conversation with principal, I guess with, with, with Kurt Roberts. Uh -huh. And he said to me that one of your brothers is teaching English as a second language in Korea or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on there? Um. So my brother, he he studied abroad a lot, and he he really just I guess fell in love with Asia. He was always in really in China. He went to Vietnam. He went to like a lot of places really. And I've I've really I've never felt like my my ethnicity has been an obstacle for me. I feel like it's it's created a lot of opportunities definitely um i also think that because i've grown up in a small town i think that effingham's just been really i think the people in effingham are just really nice i think they're great and so i really haven't had it hard or anything um i think one of not an obstacle but just like a little minor thing is that it's kind of created a little bit of a language barrier which i might have mentioned um i find myself kind of not knowing a lot of English words whenever I might be hanging out with my friends. Um, and that's also just because I don't speak English at home at all, really, because my home is my family's like safe place. And so if you were giving guidance to um, someone from out of state that you'd never met, but lives in a smaller town, what would you say to them? I know you'd probably suggest look yeah. at Questbridge, but what else can you say to them? 
I think I would just, I would recommend just applying to those schools and applying to big scholarships and just applying to those things that you didn't really think that you would get into. Because I, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't, I applied to QuestBridge, but I didn't think much about it until I got the like notification that I'd become a finalist. And I like Notre Dame or U Chicago, those schools really, like I had thought about them, but I never thought that I could get into them. And I don't know, I always assumed that I would be going to Eastern. My brothers both went to Eastern. So I would just recommend just getting out there and applying and just, I don't know, just even if you don't think you're going to get into it, just doing it. I tell students frequently just how much of their rural story resonates with admissions directors Mm -hmm. because, you know, most of these most of these people in admissions offices in selective schools are looking at a stack of applications from places like like Chicago and like Minneapolis and, and like the bigger cities. They're looking at top public school uh, applications, and they're looking at a lot of private school applications. A ton of kids at places like Notre Dame and Chicago went to a private high school. And so um, I, I know that schools are very much concerned with their diversity profile more so than ever before they want to have a broader profile to be able to, so that all of the students can get a better reflection of what the world actually looks like yeah. and it doesn't always just look like their small town it it doesn't it's it's far more you know multilingual multi-ethnic it's just a it's a it's a cacophony of humanity. So, um, in telling your story and writing your personal statement or your or your essay, what kinds of things did you discuss, or did you use that kind of prompt? Do you remember? You know, what? I've I've written about how kind of my my culture has made me want to want to study abroad, um, and my like I just I really love my culture. And my parents are like a great help for me whenever I want questions answered. And I just feel like I want that, but with other cultures and I want to get to know other people. And yeah, so it sounds to me like authenticity is really important Mm -hmm. to you. And as you kind of put your best foot forward, you're doing it with authenticity. Mm -hmm. You're not pretending, you're not, you're actually saying this is who I am. I'm proud of it. And after all, why wouldn't you be? Um, and so I, I think that's terrific. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for your perspectives on really making the most of your resources and, you know, kind of shooting for the stars, which is what you've done. So um, I just, I wish you the best of luck. I know you're going to make a dent in the world out there and uh, I'll look forward to, um, you know, following up in the next few years and just kind of see how things are coming together for you. Let's turn our mic now to have a conversation with third-year University of Chicago student, Evan Williams. Now, full disclosure, Evan is my son, but I think that his story is an interesting one because he kind of crosses the boundary from rural to suburban uh, throughout his younger academic career. And, you know, he's made some observations as a result of being in the place that he found himself. And um, I think that there's some value in sharing the lessons derived from his experience. Evan's academic story is a little different than most as it spans two very different worlds culturally. From pre-K through 8th grade, he attended school in rural southern Illinois. Pinckneyville, the county seat of Perry County, is, like many rural communities, 
a place known for hardworking people who know and look out for one another. Many of our neighbors worked in the coal mines scattered across the region, in agriculture or other skilled trades. Now, this is a place with immense pride for tradition and for its young people. High school basketball here is like high school football in Texas. Pinckneyville has three state championships to its name and is a perennial threat on the hardwood. Like most of the kids he ran around with, Evan was an athlete, but he also had a real love for learning. And as an eighth grader, looking ahead to high school, he wanted to be challenged in ways that we agreed were not going to be possible in the high school across the street from our house. It was a really difficult decision. He lived his entire life in this community, and I, most of mine. But we decided to relocate to St. Louis so that he could attend a college prep school that would thoroughly test his academic mettle. We settled on John Burroughs School, a private college preparatory school that has a track record for getting its students into America's top colleges and universities. John Hamm and Ellie Kemper went to school there. Zeke Elliott, the running back with the Dallas Cowboys, went to school there. This is a place chock full of hard work, talent, and high expectations. So we were excited, but this was foreign territory for us. There was the sheer magnitude of the looming academic demands, where we were told by seasoned parents that three to four hours a night was typical for homework. And that came after a school day that ran from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. with mandatory athletic participation and highly encouraged engagement in other extracurricular activities. But there was also the daunting social landscape to sort out. Kids dressed differently. They talked differently. They vacationed differently. They just lived differently. But they were still just kids who came from imperfect parents who were only trying to do the best they could for their offspring, like all of us. But we knew this. If Evan could make his way here and could grab a hold of the lessons this academic crucible had to offer, he'd be well-positioned for his post-secondary trajectory. And as it turns out, he did, and he was. During the summer between his junior and senior years, we toured college campuses that only a few years earlier would have just been an impossible wish list. We visited MIT, Princeton, Stanford, Bowdoin College, Penn, the University of Chicago, Cal Berkeley, and UCLA, among others. Ultimately, Evans settled on an early decision bid at UChicago, which resulted in an acceptance email in mid-December of his senior year. Big smiles all around as he opened that email at a small table in a favorite ice cream shop. So that's the backstory. But Evan is still a kid who grew up in a place where the tallest building in town was the grain elevator. He's still a kid from the country. So Evan, as you think back on that time frame and how you prepared for a life at a place like the University of Chicago, what comes to mind for you? Um, it sort of amazes me every day that I'm here and, and that can lead to imposter syndrome at times. And it does. Um, and that's a very real thing. Talk to me about imposter syndrome. What is that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm a kid from the cornfields at, you know, U Chicago studying with, you know, people who are winning MacArthur grants. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, on its face, that, that, that doesn't seem like something that would or should possibly ever happen. Um, and it's not that, you know, kids from cornfields don't deserve those opportunities. They absolutely do. And they're intelligent enough to get them. But um, it's not something that was ever talked about when I was a kid. It's very much like trailblazing as I go. And it's, it's strange. It's really strange. Given that you've become this sort of cultural bridge between 
two very different worlds through your time both in Southern Illinois and at Burroughs. Do you see any value in mitigating our societal polarization by putting people from these very different worlds in a room together to better enable them to learn from one another and perhaps better relate? Yeah, I think I think to some extent you're right. I think though that there is a piece to that that is often left out. Um, and I think it's a really important piece because you can put people in a room as much as you want, but the power dynamics are still at play if you don't remove them. If you don't put them in a room that is a vacuum, then it doesn't work. So if there's any sense of like, this is my turf, or I have power in this situation, or whatever it might be, then it doesn't work. Um, and so there has to be a sort of neutral meeting ground, which is really hard to do. It's really hard to do. Um, or, or the other way you can do that, I think, um, is to flip the power dynamics one way and then flip them back the other way and have those groups experience both. Um, so like I was at Burroughs and then I brought my Burroughs friends back to where I was from. Um, so I felt it there and I'm sure they felt it on the farm, you know? Well, that's a great point. Now, let me ask you how you've leveraged opportunity and how perhaps you learned that lesson early on. I know you had an eighth grade math teacher, Sister Nedema, who was instrumental in some of your early lessons. Well, I think I think Sister Nedema is, is one that sticks out um, probably more prominently than others in, in Southern Illinois. Um, I think that she is representative of a, of a thread um, for me that, that runs from Pinckneyville to St. Louis though, um, which is teachers being willing to offer any time you ask them. Um, they're really, gen- they're, they're generous by, by profession. That's what they do. Um, they want to see the students learn. They want to see the students succeed and get the best opportunities they possibly can. That's, that is what a good teacher does. Um, and so I think, I think knowing that I can ask for that um, has served me really well throughout my time learning, period, um, from middle school to high school to college. Um, there are a lot of opportunities that I don't think I would have gotten had I not had that initial lesson. I see this example as something that's led to your making the most of professors' office hours in college, but it begins much earlier, as you point out. I think I think people, I think as a general rule, and I know this isn't strictly related to Southern Illinois um, or even the admissions process, really, but I think it's helpful to, to take into, you know, the admissions process. People are very, very willing to help if asked. It makes them feel good. Um, and generally speaking, they want you to succeed if they're involved in your life. Um, and so I think asking is just, is kind of the, the, the number one thing, the number one rule. Agreed. I think that's a great rule to live by. Ask for help when you need it. As you say, most people are happy to give it. Evan, thanks for your time today. Now, I may be a bit biased, but yours is a fascinating story and, and I am so excited about your future. Well, that's it for this week. It was fun chatting with Evan and Jacqueline. And I know they've both got extraordinary futures ahead of them. Next week, we'll take a look at dual credit, how colleges view it, and how to make the most of it. Until then, I'm Craig Williams for Beyond the Tassel. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay engaged in your own amazing journey.